welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. Today, you are going to be really inspired, I think, by my guest. She has an incredible story about facing the biggest of, of life challenges and uh, and really turning them around into success and really pushing past some of the darkest, deepest problems you could have in your life or you just feel like you can't go beyond it. Uh, while riding a horse, she had a near-fatal accident and uh, and it caused her to be paralyzed. So she's going to share this incredible journey that she wrote about in her book, Broken to Branded, Surpass Your Fears, Find Your Purpose, and Take Control. Welcome, Kat Chrysostom. Thanks, Patty. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, really thank you for being be here. here. I, I, I'm so excited to have you on because um, I find personally so many people, including myself at times, but um, a lot of people that I talk to uh, kind of have a, a poor me attitude when they go through mm-hmm. life. They, they get really um, down and like, like they have it harder than anybody else. I find that a lot. In fact, uh, kind of a victim mentality. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so thrilled to have somebody like you on, on my show today to really, really talk about what true adversity looks like and how you battle through it. So sure. tell, me, tell us a little about your, what happened to you when, when you were riding. And, and now, now you were a show, uh, show jumper. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, that was sort of my dream career, if you will. Um, I grew up in an animal loving family. I've always been a horseback rider since the age of four. I took my first formal riding lesson. So I've always loved horses, but was sort of destined for the medical field. Honestly, grew up in a family full of doctors. Um, so I was studying pre-med in school was on a break um, at in school in March of 2011 and went on a vacation to go do my sort of like dream hobby career, um, went down to Florida and out of all the crazy things I ever did on horses, um, I got almost fatally injured walking back to the barn. So I was actually just um, walking the horse that I was riding back to the barn and he tripped we both uh, tumbled over each other. We were going up a, if you can imagine this big embankment over a really large drop for drainage. So it was about a 15 foot drop. He tripped, we both fell off the drop for drainage um, into that. So it was almost like falling off of a bridge. Um, And we both actually fractured our necks. I was temporarily paralyzed. The horse weeks later didn't make it. Um, he ended up losing his life. And so, yeah, it really went from my life was on the track to, you know, you think you know everything and you think you know exactly what you want and everything was going really well until that moment, which changed really my life forever. So when you, I can't even imagine how frightening that must have been to, Mm -hmm. to be, you know, um, all of a sudden in a blink of an eye, such a crazy, uh, accident. So something that you couldn't even imagine you don't hear that type of accident it seems like kind of a fluke weird thing so and then you knew immediately that you or did you that you were paralyzed 
Well, no. So actually, I um, I really don't remember the accident very well. The last thing I remember is, and it's like a perfect picture in my mind, the horse was wearing blue reins. And they were this bright, like beautiful royal blue. And when he tripped, I remember looking down and seeing those reins. And I saw his left leg was open over the anchor rope. So there was like 18 inch anchor rope on both sides of this bridge. And I saw his left leg over it and I saw the bright blue side reins. And immediately I thought we're going down, like we're definitely falling off this. That was the last thing that I remembered um, until I was rolled into what I now know was Shan's Hospital in Gainesville, um, big teaching hospital down there, resident hospital. I was wheeled in and there were these really bright lights. Um, and this is pretty much, I remember that photograph of those bright blue side reins. And then I remember the bright lights. I had no idea that I was paralyzed at that point. I didn't know anything that had happened to me. Uh, but when I was wheeled in, there was, um, two doctors on either side of me and one was this young female and the other was this older gentleman and the older gentleman, the first thing I heard, um, was we already know she's probably going to be paralyzed. Let's just do the surgery. (gasps) Oh Uh, my God. And you remember hearing that? Yes. I remember hearing that like absolutely vividly and, on my left was this younger woman, and she said, we don't know that for sure. I really think we should opt for something less invasive. Uh, and so thank God I had just enough strength to cut my eyes and look over to her and motion to not do the surgery. Um, so they opted to not do sur- surgery, which would have solidified paralysis. So that was an incredible moment. So that really defined my whole life. Um So that was that was the thing that I remember. So it was sort of all blackout between, you know, the actual fall to being at at that hospital. What what was the surgery that they wanted to do that that they had the option of not doing? So they wanted to fuse basically my neck. So I had a triple fracture in my C2 vertebrae, which is also known as a hangman's fracture. It's the same break that Christopher Reeves suffered from, um, wow. who played Superman, of course, and it left him wheelchair bound for the rest of his life. So I had that same injury, but I also had an array of other injuries. I was on a ventilator. I had this something called pneumothorax, which is when basically you hit something so hard it um, actually knocks the air outside of your lungs. So they put in a chest tube to relieve pressure so you can start to breathe again. And broken and bruised bones, just all sorts of things. Um, But they wanted to do neck fusion. So basically, they would have gone in and fused, you know, my neck, um, the vertebrae, and it would have because my spinal cord was so irritated. So it was so inflamed, that was what was causing the paralysis, it would have damaged the spinal cord. Um, So I wouldn't I would have lost all my mobility. Wow. So by not doing it, then was what was the risk of then not doing it? So the risk was um, obviously fear of the unknown, essentially, you know, will you regain mobility? I was put into something called a halo traction device. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what mm-hmm. that is. Um, but so it had it. I kind of joke and it's really not a joke because when it was put on, it was obviously a horrible moment for me, but it looks like a medieval torture device. Honestly, it is a um, 
it's a carbon fiber vest that's sheepskin lined, and it has four metal rods, two in the front and two in the back. Um, they come up. Each one has, it literally has a halo um, around your head, and each rod has a screw that comes in um, and sits on top of your skull, and each screw is eight pounds of pressure, so it's 32 pounds pressure total. Um, it's screwed on and basically adjusted to try and set the fracture to give it time to heal. So it's like a cast for your neck, um, but they screw it on and then uh, they put you into the MRI machine and they you know, back you up. They adjusted mine three times and during that period was really... The, my life changed in the accident, but that was the moment that changed my life forever because I truly did not believe that I was going to make it through that halo being screwed on. You're not put under, nothing is, you don't have, I mean, there's local, you know, anesthetic where they're putting the screws, but that was really when I faced and I felt like accepted death. Um, and that was like my new beginning um, after I had made it. So that state, I stayed in that halo for three and a half months. Um, and then that was taken off. My mobility issues were still persisting and had to find new beginnings. I, I can't even imagine. I can't even relate to what that mm -hmm. must have been like to be laying there with in that, you know, that halo brace and feeling like your life is over. And yeah. how, how old were you when this occurred? So I was 20. I was 20. Oh, my God. And I was in college, and that was one of the biggest things was it truly was like not only I lost my hobby and my safe place, because horses had always been my safe place, um, sort of my safe haven. Uh, as a kid growing up, I grew up on a farm, and I just loved horses and animals and um, being outside and being active. And when I had my accident, obviously, I lost all those things. But in addition to that, I lost my scholarship because I was on a full ride in school. Um, I mean, for really for three and a half months, I was completely bedridden um, out of it. Um, I had medical debt stacking up. I mean, my just my whole life totally changed. Um, so, yeah, it was it was extraordinarily scary, but it was also an opportunity to reinvent myself. And I think that's where I did something different from a lot of people is it would have been so easy to just get stuck, you know, in that moment, um, and not continue to fight. So how did you fight? How did you find the will to just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to survive this. I'm going to walk mm -hmm. again. How did, how, where did you mentally have to go? You know, that I, I feel like I can't pinpoint it to one thing. I've thought about that so much. And I think it's a it's kind of like an onion question. It's so multi-layered. But I think the biggest thing was having a positive mindset um, and truly believing in that positivity. And then also being brave and having a support system, you know, around you that supported yourself. But where that real support came from was me. Um, and I think that that was the main thing is keeping that positive mindset to continue to push forward. I think it was Winston Churchill who said, when you're going through hell, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so true. Like you just have to keep moving forward one foot in front of the other. Wow. So, so, okay. So, um, when you're laying there and you're thinking, you're just, you're just saying to yourself every day, I'm going to get through the, I'm going to get through today. Were you, 
envisioning yourself walking again? Is that, did you do visualization techniques? What, what did you, did you do that, that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I definitely did um, a lot of visualization for sure. But one of the biggest things was having goals, but then breaking them down into attainable steps. Like for me, walking for a minute was a huge was a huge goal. Um, and then it was kept growing, um, you know, to, to be able to walk on the treadmill without help, um, or being able to walk on the treadmill with help for five minutes or something, you know, those, those were, they sound like very small goals, but obviously they were huge at the time. Um, so it was really about being able, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to walk again. It was more, okay, I'm going to walk for one minute today. Um, I, you know, breaking it down into small attainable steps is I think so important important and people you can become so overwhelmed um you know very easily and I think that's a natural feeling if you create these big goals and then you don't you know you don't achieve them right away and then you just want to want to quit so I think that it was a very important thing to my recovery to just have attainable steps um and so that you know you keep working towards that bigger goal so it's like you you think about the bigger goal of, of, of getting back to your life at mm-hmm. 20 years old mm-hmm. and getting back to just uh, walking around and, and living in the world like you did before. But on a daily basis, it sounds like you broke it down into bite-sized kind of, you know, not exactly. the whole pie, but one piece of, one bite of one piece of one pie, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so then as how long was the recovery process? How long? So it was three and a half months that you were in the halo uh, brace. And then, then did you, after that is when you started being able to, to walk on with uh, like a, uh, with a, um, a walker. walker. Yeah. Yeah. So actually I was in the halo. Yes. For three and a half months. And it was funny because during those three and a half months, all I could think about was drifting sort of in and out of consciousness because I was on a morphine drip and I was really heavily sedated that time. But when I was conscious, all I could think about was I cannot wait to get this halo off of me. And I sort of had had this this vision in my head that once it came off, everything was going to be fine. Um, which wasn't the case at all. And it was funny because I kept hoping and hoping and hoping for that. Um, and the, that day came. And when they, when I walked into or was wheeled into the office, um, actually, my parents were with me. And they were really excited, obviously. And my doctor, my neurosurgeon was like, oh, finally, the day has come. And I was like, I don't know if I want you to take it off. Because it had kind of become my security blanket. Um, and that was a really, it was a really weird psychological moment too, because I realized like, maybe I don't want this off. Maybe this is my security blanket. Why do I have these mixed feelings? Um, but anyhow, they had to take it off. So they did. I was put into a hard neck collar and I was in that for 18 months, um, thereafter. So I had a hard neck collar brace I was supposed to be in it only about three to six months, um, but with my mobility issues, they were very worried that if I were to fall, they wanted, you know, extra support um, there for my neck. So I remained in that for 18 months. Um, And really the, I would say the entire recovery process was three years, especially for the mental aspect of it. Um, you know, it's easy to talk about the physical part, but it takes, you know, severe trauma in any way and everybody faces it, whatever it might be 
definitely has an effect on your psyche. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can totally imagine. It's like you have to, like you said, re- almost reinvent yourself uh, mm-hmm. just to get back to uh, a new normal right. for a while. So then after you got to the point, three years, I mean, in your early 20s, no less, that's hard to imagine uh, somebody so young going through so much and being able to be strong enough to go through mm-hmm. all that. And, you know, uh, so so what did you decide after that journey? Did you come to realizations that you'd never thought about before or it changed your thinking about your your life ahead? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, surviving something like that really makes you appreciate things. Um, and I also think it it allowed me to realize that there is risk in everything, but it's worth taking the risk because the end could be tomorrow. Like you just never know. And so it really, in that way, I think it made me much stronger um, and more willing to take risks and more willing to do what I truly wanted to do, um, which obviously riding was not not an option um, at that time. But uh, it's it's really kind of a funny story um, and, and really interesting. So I always, I've loved um, education and self-education. I love to read. And when you're having mobility issues and you can't do anything else, um, I was reading a lot. And I'd subscribed to a lot of the different newspapers, the New York Times, um, just like a lot of different ones. Well, on the front uh, page of the Wall Street Journal, was this um, article about Shanghai. And this was probably a year post, almost a year post accident. Um, So I'm reading this article and it was talking about in Shanghai, the equine industry was growing there and that there were more millionaires per square mile than anywhere else in the world. And I just thought, well, there's got to be some opportunity here. Like I can't ride, but maybe I could sell horses to Shanghai. Like I just... You know, it, it really taught me to think outside the box. Um, and I was desperate to find an identity um, again. And I just felt like going back to school was not the right thing for me uh, mentally or physically at that time. So I uh, that was really the start of my whole like reinventing myself. I actually went to Shanghai and I cultivated all these contacts and I flew over there. Um, and uh, that's how part of the uh, therapy that I had been using was there was a team of engineers over there working on a wearable version of it. And so I thought, um, you know what, I'm going to go over there and look into this and developed products from that um, material. But I guess going back to, you know, recovering from the accident, I think that having any sort of trauma in your life can either, it makes you um, sort of seclude from reality or it makes you more ambitious and willing to take more risks and I chose that latter path. So it almost sounds like someone who has survived cancer mm-hmm. where they 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 see the face of of death in front of them and then when they are able to escape that and live they have this newfound uh, freedom to just exactly. realize wow I better you know get to getting and do whatever I want. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And we think about, you know, how sad it is to think that we have to live through such a horrible trauma to be able to tap into that power, because everyone has that power within them. It's just, I think that it's not realized until you've survived something, you know, 
in these cases, what you just were talking about with cancer or terrible accident, you know, car accident, whatever it is, I think that, you know, it's just not um, realized and, and used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's a shame. Like you said, it's a shame that we all have that already. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like... Um, What's that movie? The, oh, The Wizard of Oz. How, yes. how, how <laughs> I think the good witch tells uh, Dorothy something about you had it all along. You know what I right. mean? Right. So, something exactly. like that. You had it yes. in you all along. I don't remember the quote, but, uh, but it's like that. It's, we, we just, we we're, we stay stuck afraid. We're almost paralyzed, if you want to use that word, yeah. uh, you know, in our own little world, afraid to venture out too, too far, you know, too right. afraid of risk. So in a way, this is a weird, sounds, sounds like a weird blessing, even mm-hmm. though it was horrific and so scary and life-changing, but sure. it opened up your world. Otherwise, you'd probably be a doctor right now, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to be a neonatologist, actually. And so, yeah, I'd probably be taking care of preemie babies and... <laughs> In the NICU. Which would be uh, cool, but um, but now you started a business, right? Mm-hmm. So yep, yep. tell us about your business. Yeah, so um, actually, so in my uh, recovery process, I had been using, so I had terrible migraines because what a lot of people don't realize is when, you know, your skull is made up of a lot of different bones. It's not just one. So when you have 32 pounds of pressure for three and a half months on your skull, it actually contracts. So when that halo was taken off, it was expanding. And I had debilitating migraines. Um, I was having a hard time chewing, talking, uh, any sort of movement of my jaw. And so I had started looking into what were things that I could do, you know, um, at home or medications that I could take. And basically, I was on, before I knew it, I was on 13 different medications, um, whether it was treating the migraines, the pain, I was on a lot of, um, like I said, the morphine, just a lot of different things. And it was masking the pain, but it wasn't helping me actually uh, live a a more normal life. Um, So I had gone in to visit my neurosurgeon for um, a checkup and I was still not getting my mobility back in my right side. And I was basically pleading with him. It was one of my last checkups um, on a more frequent basis. And I just said, you know, I have tried everything. Um, I I can't stop. Obviously, uh, painkillers and there's a lot of uh, side effects that a lot of people aren't, you know, necessarily privy to. Um, So I was dealing with digestive issues and um, had developed celiacs and just had my whole world had been turned upside down. Um, and in a very offhand way on the way out the door, after telling me that I couldn't do anything, that I needed to do more physical therapy, he was giving me a new referral. He said, oh, and by the way, I've heard about something called far infrared light therapy. You should probably check it out. And I was like, wait, stop. What is that? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> um, so he, he left, um, walked out the door, and that night I started researching it, and there was a local chiropractic office in the town I was living in um, that offered a red light solarium that you could sit in front of with this far infrared light therapy. It was totally foreign to me. Um, and I went in, I sat in front of it, and that was the first day since before my accident that I was able to walk out on my own, unassisted, um, out of the office. And it was just incredible. It was incredible what it did um, for me. So I started using that (laughs) very regularly. 
And um, it was as long as when I was in front of the light and about two and a half hours after I had full mobility. And so I started becoming fascinating. And with my medical, you know, sort of background and biology background, I was able to put it together. I started doing a lot of research and I found that my spinal cord was so inflamed, it was becoming bruised. That's why I was losing my mobility. There was no damage to my spinal cord. But that's that was the fear of the unknown. You know, would the bruising um, turn into damage? Would the swelling cause damage? So I uh, was using this therapy. And as long as I would use it multiple times a day, I could stay up on my mobility. Um so I was just, I really wanted to take the therapy. I felt like not enough people knew about it. I wanted um, to be able to share it with other people. And I thought, you know what, this is a way that I can sort of, um, I guess, put all of my passions and my newfound interest in this together and bring people products that not only help them, which obviously helps from the medical background, but really changed my life that I had become really passionate about. So that is where the fabric comes in that I had sort of touched on earlier. Um, so my fabric is basically a wearable version of red light therapy. So it's a way people can carry it around and use wearable products on themselves. And then, of course, I developed an equine line to stay in the horse world. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. So you, you actually have uh, – so is it like clothing, like a, a blouse or yeah. a scarf or – yeah, so more like athletic wear. Um, so we have braces and um, we also have blankets and bed sets. We do, so funny that you said a scarf. The very first product that I developed was a scarf. And it literally looked like you had gotten um, nice like kitchen scissors. <laughs> you cut out the scarf. Um, and it was the very first product that I ever did for myself. And I thought if it makes a difference on me and it can wean me off of the light, then then this will be my, you know, case study and I will develop the products, you know, in, in bulk production. So the man that I was working with, I mean, he took a huge risk in me um, in Taiwan. He is still who I work with today, um, but he developed the products. I helped him in the um, finalization process and he let me place a very small uh, starting order, which is an amazing thing now that I know what I know about textile manufacturing back then. I <laughs> Which is probably a lot at this point, right? Yes. <laughs> I have a feeling. Yeah. I have a feeling you know an awful lot about, yeah. <laughs> about it now. Yeah. And I didn't know very much then. So I was like, oh, that's so nice of you to let me, you know, get a small order, which now I know, you know, knowing what I know, it was a, it was a huge risk that he took on me because that's a very expensive thing to do for him. Mm -hmm. Um, but I used the scarf and it, it, I was able to completely venture away from the light, um, and just use the wearable therapies. And so that was my very first product was the scarf that I began selling. Wow. And now that's, so you found success in a market for it, obviously in the medical uh, field, I would imagine they, a lot of people became aware of that. And so now you have product lines more than, and yep. more refined, uh, beyond the scarf and so forth. It sounds like. Yes. It doesn't look like we use our kitchen scissors. <laughs> 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 yeah, much more refined. Nice. And yeah, so we have a full line of people products and then, 
I really, I mean, I've always been passionate about animals. And so as I was developing products for myself and for people and having them test them, basically I was thinking, okay, how can I transform this person, you know, people product into something that does the same thing for horses. So I began building the equine line and um, we have clinical studies on the veterinary science side and um, have worked with thousands of people and horses and we're launching into the canine market on December 15th of this year, which is a really exciting. Is that for uh, dogs or, well, because you're getting ready to go into that uh, market, but or horses that have severe injuries, or for people, horses or animals that have inflammation. So it's a really good question. So it can be used as a healing aid, um, absolutely, but it's also great as a preventative. So our basically our fabrics are clinically proven to stimulate blood circulation and reduce inflammation. So our customer promise is increased mobility and less pain in three weeks guaranteed with any of the products. Wow. Um, but you can use it as a preventative. You could use it as a healing, you know, um, part of your healing regimen. You can use it for a lot of different things. Um, and a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't have a performance dog or I'm not an athlete. Um, and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't matter. We have people who are bedridden. We have some hospice patients who, um, the hospice care will buy the blankets just to provide in your last, you know, in those last few weeks of life, the most comfort. Um, so it's a lot, you know, there's so many different uses, um, but just for more, more comfort overall. Wow. That is so fascinating. I, I, I find that just mind-blowing actually I, I have actually have a family member who is bedridden mm-hmm. um, she she's got arthritis that has led to many 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 problems over the last 35 years or so mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're hoping that she can have surgery uh, and and be able to get back on her feet again but um, but it's been a very very difficult journey for her so somebody like her it sounds like this might be something she might want to to try sure uh, a product that might be of benefit to her. Sure, sure. Well, and that's the the wonderful part about doing something that's holistic or natural. And I really try to steer away from that holistic word because many times people hear that and they think hocus pocus right away. And a lot of it is like, admittedly, I'm the first to say I wanted to be a Western doctor. Like (laughs) there are a lot of hocus pocus things out there, but there are also natural remedies that are clinically proven with third party studies. Um, you know, so yeah, I think that something like that, especially someone who suffers from arthritis, um, you know, they, they've, she's probably exhausted a lot of different therapies, um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of different medications and things. So, you know, it offers that alternative, um, to somebody like that. And, you know, is it going to be as powerful as taking a pill? Not right away. Certainly not. Um, but long-term, absolutely. Uh, and I'm living proof of that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's great because I'm, I'm not a big fan of taking pills. I really, I'm really not a big fan of pharmaceuticals. I understand there are needs, there is a need for that, of course. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I'm a firm believer if you can find a holistic uh, way, whether it's through diet, through food, through uh, nutrition, through uh, light therapy, whatever, like what you're talking about is absolutely fascinating and and exciting because Mm -hmm. I I do think anytime you can move away 
from any kind of pharmaceutical, the, the better yeah. off you're probably going to be. Yes. <laughs> and if it works, then terrific, then fantastic. Right. <laughs> right, I know. And pharmaceuticals, the thing is, is that you take one and it gives you a side effect and then you need to treat that symptom. And so you take another. And I, I you know, I really, I'm a firm believer in Western medicine. I think it's an amazing tool to help with symptoms and to basically, I guess, deflate um, the initial reaction or whatever those initial symptoms are. But then if we can take Eastern medicine, which treats the cause, and do them together, then you actually have healing. Otherwise, you're just constantly chasing symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, And my uncle was a pharmacist growing up. So I was very, you know, I... This is something my dad was an oral surgeon. I mean, this is something that I saw all the time. They were, you know, calling in and filling prescriptions. And so I, it was very normal to me um, to think along those lines. But after living through what I lived through, I can see how when you can bring the two together, you have such incredible success. Um, and that's really what people should be more educated on. Absolutely. And I tell you what, you are so inspiring. I think, how how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? 27. 27. Oh, my God. Well, you're beautiful and amazing. And 27, you you seem like a much older soul at this point. I have a feeling that is the case with everything that you've gone through is amazing. I I just, I want to, you know, commend you for for just really being able to uh, to do all of this and to really combine your medical background, medical mm-hmm. interest and education uh, at some point to your love of animals and horses. And, and uh, I think people will find this really interesting. I, I have two dogs with uh, arthritis. They're both 14 years old now. So I'm excited to think about uh, also checking into... Um, you know, what you've got coming up with the dog line. So yeah. how can how can people find you? Um, so our product website is benefabproducts.com. It stands for beneficial fabric. So benefabproducts.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Cat Chris Austin or Benefab. Um, I, we, I have two separate pages. So Instagram, we're on basically all of the social media pa- platforms, but there's a lot more information about the brand story. And then the book, um, Broken to Branded is offered on Amazon Prime as well. And you have to spell your last name because it is not the easiest. Yes. <laughs> it's not chrysanthemum. You did a great job, Patty. I was impressed. Most people just totally butcher it the first time. With being a public speaker, it is funny. I mean, it's like they go to introduce me. I'm like, how many times did we practice that before we got on stage? But Chris Sostum. So it's spelled just like it sounds, um, but with a Y. So C-H-R-Y. S-O-S-T-O-M, Chrysostom. And cat is with a K, K-A-T. K-A-T. And Benefabs is B-E-N-E-F-A-B. You got it. Yep. So Benefabproducts.com. Benefabproducts.com. So yeah, so people should check that out because I think you, you sounds like you're on the cutting edge of some really great, you know, a great help out there for people mm-hmm. and animals. Thank you. So, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Kat, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I think you're just truly inspiring. And hopefully uh, also not only will people hopefully check out uh, what you're doing, but also look at your life and be able to say, wow, you know, I need to get off the couch and do whatever it is, you know, maybe turn off the, the cell phone and the TV and everything else and really look within, mm-hmm. kind of think about what they might want to do uh, 
you know, some really cool things like you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wait for the big accident. Don't, you know, don't sit around and wait for that. Just find that power within. But I think what you're doing is great too. Thank you so much, Patty. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Well, this wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show. So uh, until next time. Thank you.